This is Changing Channels with Larry Walsh, the Channelnomics podcast that connects you with channel chiefs, thought leaders, and executives about what it takes to get the next generation of tech to market. Here's your host, Larry Walsh, the CEO and Chief Analyst of Channelnomics. Hi, everyone. As Lady says, I'm Larry Walsh, and welcome back to Changing Channels. It seems like everyone in the industry is talking about the transition from transactional sales to services. Everyone wants a piece of that recurring revenue. They want that predictability, and they want the profitability that comes from delivering services. And this chase for that services revenue is even extending out to our traditional hardware and even software publishers. More and more, we're seeing legacy companies making plans to develop and field services models. And everyone that goes through this process has been in the industry for a long time. Going from transactional to recurring revenue has to go through this period of pain of where they see declining revenue while they're trying to build up this new replacement stream. And at Channelnomics, we call that the X chasm. And in fact, it is the topic of our, it's our first cover story on Channelnomics Quarterly, our new magazine for channel chiefs and professionals. And the cover story was written by T.C. Doyle, our Vice President of Strategic Content, as also the editor of uh, Channelnomics Quarterly, describing this phenomenon and what vendors need to know to successfully navigate it. And with that, I want to welcome our friend, our resident expert on this, T.C. Doyle. Larry, hey, how are you today? Hey, TC, good to have you on Changing Channels. Uh, so, TC, you penned the cover story for the first issue of Channel Nine was Quarterly. Tell us a little bit about your definition of this phenomenon known as the X chasm. It's pretty simple, and it's great to be here with you today. Um, when you look at the revenue of various vendors as they try to transition from more of a on-prem transaction sales model to more of a recurring revenue model, you see that they have to cross a gap, a trough, that literally when you plot the two on a graph, it does look like an X because traditional revenue plummets from the top left to the lower right, while new revenue from recurring revenue um, sales initiatives and efforts starts slowly at the bottom on the lower left and creeps its way up. And at some point, the old revenue gives way to the new. And we can talk about that in a second about you know, why these organizations struggle with that, the market motions and all that, but that's literally where that X comes from. Yeah, it, it, and look, as I, as I said in my intro, we do see this every time. There is a natural progression that as you start to build up a new source of revenue, and let's face it, subscriptions and services are a replacement revenue. They are not an incremental source of revenue, at least not initially. They really are offsetting what is, by definition, a decline in the traditional transactional revenue. Why do companies fight this phenomenon? Why is it that they they see that you know they they know this X, we've marked it on the map for them, and yet they still say, no, no, we don't have to do that. Well, you hit it with your setup and the question. You know, it is not new revenue, at least initially, it's replacement revenue. So when you think about an internal, when you think about a sales organization, when you think about a tech vendor and you analyze its go-to-market strategies, comp plans engineering, sales and marketing, they are all tied to a traditional, ongoing, successful source of revenue. Giving that up 
brings out all the antibodies within an organization. They fight it. And it all harkens back to Clayton, the late Christian, Clayton Christensen of Harvard's uh, seminal book from the 1990s, um, in the innovator's dilemma. Nobody wants to give up something that is once hot and they will cling to it like barnacles on the side of a boat. But in order to do so, to get to that next level, they're going to have to let that go. Therein lies the rub. People clinging to the old ways because of compensation, because of, you know, entrenched ways of doing business, old timey patterns, you know, muscle memory. And it's very difficult to snap an organization out of that. Yeah, you know, you referenced you referenced Clayton Christensen's book, uh, The Innovator's Dilemma. I referenced Jeffrey Moore's Crossing the Chasm. Were all the best business books for regarding technology written in the nineties? Well, I, we got some uh, Mountain Gladwells that I think have uh, done quite well over the years, but you know, Tipping Point and uh, Outliers and a couple of others. But yeah. it is interesting though that some of that seed, some of the seeds that were seen in the 1990s, still were the antecedents of those we're still wrestling with it today. And crossing the chasm, you must, as an organization, rethink everything. That is how you allocate people, allocate resources, how you devise go-to-market strategies. It is you know, it's your comp plans. It's your sales models. It's how you recognize and reward partners. There's so many things that have to be thought. Even automation platforms have to be rethought. And for a lot of organizations, especially given the high turnover of um, talent and caliber today, why not go with the status quo, make you that, move on and let the next guy pick this up. There's a lot of that that we still see going on to this day. But I think you're going to get to, there are some successful uh, examples of companies that have crossed that chasm successfully. Well, let's talk about that because in your article, you do make a reference to a company that actually went through the X and they didn't fight it. They actually navigated, they had a plan going into it. They knew they were going to hit it and they, and they knew that if it was successful, they'd come out better on the other side. Let's talk about that company's example. Well, there's not just one, but I know the one you're talking about, and I'll get to them in a second, but there are others, M-Files and plenty of others that have done this and systematically put a plan in place. The most notable one, obviously, is Adobe. In order to pull this off, though, it took a lot of work. They had to communicate with their own internal people why we're doing this, what we're doing this. They had to communicate with their board, with their engineering teams and sales teams, plus partners. In addition, there's another constituency, Wall Street. Adobe did this as a publicly traded company and trying to tell anybody that, hey, we're about to take a revenue haircut of a significant portion, try passing that off in, in the best of times, let alone times like we're going through now. You know, it's it's interesting you bring, you know, you did note the impact of the street. Now, if you're a startup out in the valley or wherever anymore, uh, and you're taking on PE or VC money and you say, look, we're going to build this on a recurring revenue, they're going to love it. And But even though they know it's going to take time in order to build up that revenue, if you go to the street or even if you go to those same investors and you say, look, we're going to take this box we've been selling on one-offs for the last 15 years and start selling it as a subscription only or as a service, and we're going to go through about three, two or three quarters of negative revenue, but we're going to come out two X on the other side, they'll punish you. So what is that paradox there? Well, it's, you know, trying to convince anybody to take a leap of faith. Kierkegaard talked about the the difficulties from the get-go. So that is the dilemma. You, You want people to buy into it. And especially for those that have an existing model that is doing well. 
the the tendency, the desire to cling to the status quo is just so overwhelmingly strong in an organization, but they must break. And to do that, they've got to rethink things. They've got to say, where do we want to be? Now, this is often done in a vacuum, theoretically, almost academically. I try to do it in a real world environment where your competitors are on your heels. They're making sales gains. That gives some organizations a little bit more license. Look at the disruptive elements around us. Look at the disruptive ideas and innovations coming to floor. Not a lot today are on-prem. They're all moving toward the cloud. In fact, I'm going to cheat later. I've got some notes up here. SaaS revenue alone today uh, accounts for more than 75% of sales in the in, um, enterprise. Just 10 years ago, that was 6%. Um, investors prize annual recurring monthly revenue uh, because it provides more predictable revenue streams, greater stickiness with customers, and higher valuations. So once you're able to convince all your relative constituencies that this is the best plan, you get buy-in. But by golly, what you just referred to is so tough at the onset because it does mean getting people to make that leap of faith. Yeah. One of the things that we see in our research at Shellonomics is the challenges that that vendors have in getting their partners to adopt new business models and new new service offerings. Um, it's typically alien to them, even though we have spent more than a decade doing services, talking about services, selling services to the channel. Um, there's still this persistent challenge. What do you think, why do you think that challenge exists that, that when vendors start bringing out a new service or they transition through the X chasm that the partners don't immediately say, yeah, we, we recognize that let's, let's, let's go all in on it. So why don't support? Yeah. yeah, Why doesn't the channel immediately embrace things because they've been burned for a couple of reasons. One in the past, they've been burned. They've made leaps and they didn't play out. Uh, two, all of, think about their uh, talent. One of the top things that we find in our forecast and other studies is partners are struggling to find adequate talent to run their organizations. Once they get that talent in there, you know, they get settled on old familiar ways. They don't, they're, they become resistant to change and resistant to take risk. So that becomes an issue. In addition, there's not proven best practices when somebody's trying to do something anew. So they're wrestling and fumbling around. So you've got entrenched ways of doing business. You've got talent that's stuck in an old way. They've been burned once or twice before, and there's not a lot of credible information on how to do this. There's no big blueprint. That's why some of the work that we're doing is trying to help vendors and get see the light, see that there are best practices and consistent rhythms and motions they can apply to their businesses in order to make this success. Yeah. One of the questions that we frequently get when we're talking with our clients about how to go through this process is what do you do with your own sales teams? So the you know the direct sellers, the sale, the field sales, the channel account managers, they often resist this level of change. Why is it the same phenomenon you're describing with the partners? Is that is that you know hey we've been burnt before, or is it more you know is it more of a you know look we know what we're doing now, what we're doing now is good. Why are you changing things? That that apathy towards progress. I throw the question back at you. You know, you've worked with salespeople. You know, big vendor salespeople. You've worked with a lot of organizations. How many turns of the, how many times can a new salesperson or an old salesperson learn new tricks? You know, science says maybe two, three times they can completely reinvent themselves over the course of a career, a fourth, fifth time. 
that's tough. So then a lot of vendors and a lot of channel people are looking at entirely new talent. Well, turn left, turn right. Where do you see abundance of skilled talent and salespeople? So for a lot of companies, they struggle having to recognize that they're, for them to make this leap, while they would love to replace, uh, rip and replace a lot of sales teams, they're going to have to do with a lot of existing personnel. That's expensive training. That's re-education. That's getting the comp plans right. That's a lot of complexity that adds to this dilemma. What impact does competition have on crossing the X-chasm? Does, comp- does the competition actually have influence over whether or not and how a vendor you know, transits this, uh, this, this gap? Well, when you consider that more than half of all software revenue today is generated from, from subscriptions, I think competition, candidly, can have a positive influence. It can accelerate the recognition among C-suite leaders and board-level leaders that they've got to make a move. That is the blade to their throat. That disruptive innovator that's a crosstown rival, that is an industry upstart, that can get people moving. I think you see more intransigence or more stable or more markets where status quo is established. Trying to get them to move is tough. But where there is a disruptive innovator that is starting to get market share, starting to show some valuation growth, starting to see some sales growth, I think that can induce organizations to move more quickly. So TC, in, in researching this article in Channelomics Quarterly, you do note that there are a number of success stories in the, about companies that successfully transit the exchasm. Uh, that is actually more true than not. And not to say that there's ever any guarantee in business of success, we do seem to seem to note that there is more often success in getting over this hump or over this chasm than not. Um, Obviously other factors are there, but do you think that more vendors should have faith in the plan in going through this transition from transactional to services and subscription-based, knowing that there will be some difficulties, but they are temporary, they are transient? Uh, Absolutely, and you bring up a couple of things. A lot of it has to do with management. Look, there's a simple formula. And while there's not proven best practices, there is a formula that others have leveraged. It is communicate with all your constituencies, get your compensation and other plans right, get the engineering, get the product right, communicate to these partners, get them trained, get them prepared for what's coming. Now, I mentioned that a lot of this comes down to management. It all comes down to risk appetite. If they don't have the appetite for it, this is not going to work. But we're starting to see more vendors look at a Microsoft, which added more than a billion dollars in market capitalization after it made the successful transition. We see Cisco, Oracle, and others now committing to most of their revenue will come from monthly, if not annual recurring revenue. So yes, with forward-looking leadership, you get it. If you don't have that, you're, you're in a world of hurt. Yep. Words words to the wise, my friend. So, TC, thank you for joining us. TC Doyle, the Vice President of Strategic Content here at Channelomics, and also, I should note, the editor of Channelomics Quarterly, the new magazine here exclusively, the first publication exclusively for channel professionals and channel chiefs across the industry. TC, thanks for joining us. Thank you, Larry. And thank you all again for joining us here on Changing Channels. Technology is changing the world, and we will continue to track the way it is changing the way we take products to market. Until next time, I'm Larry Walsh. Thank you for joining Changing Channels with Larry Walsh, a production of Channelnomics, with the support of our production team at Modern Podcasting. 
If you've enjoyed today's episode, hit the like button, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, and share with your friends. For more information about Channelnomics services and insights, follow us on Twitter and YouTube, and check out our website at channelnomics.com. Channelnomics is a registered trademark of, and Changing Channels is copyright by, 2112 Enterprises, LLC.